It is Sunday, February 26, 2012. This is U62 The Targ. Let's do it! As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. All right, here it comes. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Why, what a little tiny microchip deep inside some electronics. Broadcasting to the world through the miracle of the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is U62 The Tar. Now your host, a man with a lifelong dream of getting paid to do this, Mark Pappas. On this week's show, it's Myths for Mythbusters, Lost Star Trek episodes, and part two of the Joan Soda Holiday Physathon. It's episode 5.14, Springy Spring. So sit back, relax, grab yourself some warm root beer and a towel that's oh so fluffy. U62 the Tar, you're in for something special. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Cap is here. Welcome to this week's episode of the Targ. <sighs> so tired right now. I don't know. Ever since I came back from my vacation a couple of weeks ago, I just can't seem to get enough sleep. I don't know what it is. Uh, I tell you, I think it's the two jobs thing that's wearing me down. I wish I could only work one job, but sadly, that's not the way it is in this business. But let's cheer ourselves up, shall we? Let's cheer ourselves up by doing some stupid stuff online. Did I tell you about Mythbusters? I have submitted a myth to Mythbusters. They probably won't do it on the show, but it would be neat if they did. So you're probably wondering, Mark, what myth did you submit to Mythbusters? Okay, so over my vacation, I was able to catch a rerun of one of my favorite cartoons when I was a kid, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero. This one particular episode was called Joe's Night Out, and I always remember it because it had to do with outer space. So we have our three Joes. We have Leatherneck, Wetsuit, and Dial Tone. They're taking their hot dates to this hot new club on the edge of town, but it turns out it's a trap by Cobra. And in order to hold all of the club goers hostage, Cobra's... the, the, the this new nightclub is actually a cobra trap, and it's a rocket ship. And they launch all of the club goers into orbit. So, of course, Leatherneck, Wetsuit, and Dial Tone have to figure out how to get their restaurant-slash-space vehicle back down to Earth. But see, here's the thing. There are bombs on the outside of the spacecraft-slash-restaurant. So they have to go outside the spacecraft in order to defuse the bombs. So in order to go outside, first... They improvise an airlock out of the walk-in freezer and using a special paste that was brewed out of everything they could find in the kitchen. And two, they improvise some spacesuits out of garbage bags, duct tape, and they use an aquarium for the helmet. So those are the myths I submitted to Mythbusters. One, can you make an airlock out of a walk-in freezer and whatever random stuff you can find in a typical restaurant kitchen? And two... Can you improvise a spacesuit out of garbage bags, duct tape, and a fishbowl for a helmet? They probably won't do that one on the show because it's very, very stupid, but it would sure be neat if they did. Anyway, as I'm recording this, it is Oscar weekend. So let's play some of the uh, Oscar-nominated songs for uh, Best Original Song. So first up, we have Real in Rio here on the card. We have a best rhythm 
here on U62 The Targ. Good afternoon, Mark Cap is still here with you, and I have to tell you, this was a very exciting week for Star Trek fans. What happened was, a long-lost Star Trek episode was recently uncovered. Here's the tale. Norman Spinrad, legendary science fiction author, he wrote the original Star Trek episode, The Doomsday Machine. You remember that one with the giant planet killer, right? Well, back in the day, they loved it so much, Gene Roddenberry sat him down and said, Dude, I want you to write another episode for Star Trek. Something special about this episode, though. Apparently, Milton Berle is a fan. So you have to write it with the intent of us making a guest star offer to Milton Berle. So Mr. Spinrad said, Okay, I can do that. Sat down, wrote another Star Trek script. Turned it into uh, Gene Roddenberry. But first... Gene Kuhn had a look at it. Gene Kuhn, a very influential guy on Star Trek, the original series. A lot of people say he should be just as credited as much as creating Star Trek as Gene Roddenberry was. If Gene Roddenberry is Bob Kane, creator of Batman, then Gene Kuhn would be Bill Finger, the artist who did most of the legwork and deserves just as much, if not more, credit. So that's who Gene Kuhn is for Star Trek. Gene Kuhn took a look at Norman Spinrad's script and thought, Wait a minute. Milton Berle is a comedian. This episode should be a comedy. So Gene Kuhn rewrote the whole thing to make it a comedy. Norman Spinrad took a look at the rewritten version, went to Gene Roddenberry and said, Whatever you do, please don't make this script. It's horrible now. It wasn't supposed to be a comedy. It just sucks. Gene Roddenberry took a look at it and said, Yeah, you're right. This sucks. We're not going to make it. And thus, that was the last we ever heard of it. Until last year, 2011, Norman Spinrad was at a convention. He thought he would never see his original episode again, the one before Gene Kuhn took, uh, rewrote it. He thought he would never see it again because he only had the one copy and he wrote it on a typewriter. And then he was at a convention in 2011, signing autographs and stuff. And lo and behold, a fan brought him his first draft copy and asked him to sign it. Of course, he was amazed that this had finally returned to him, and he said to that fan, I'll sign it for you on one condition. You gotta let me do a high-quality PDF scan of this so I can sell it as an ebook." And that's what he did. And that script is now online. So we can see this lost Star Trek episode. Uh, looking it up online, uh, apparently the episode is called he Walks Among Us. This is what it's about. 
Um, as we all know, one of the popular tropes of the original Star Trek series was some kind of Starfleet admiral would go to uh, some distant planet as a cultural observer, uh, but before long he would kind of set himself up as a dictator of this planet, and then suddenly Kirk and the rest of the Enterprise crew have to go extract him and try and undo the damage he's done to the Prime Directive and all that. So... This episode kind of followed that uh, same general synopsis, but the interesting Star Trek twist was this admiral had become so ingrained into this planet's culture that to extract him would actually cause more damage. So the moral dilemma Kirk and the Enterprise crew faced, do they kind of... Do they try to fix what had been done and extract him and kind of put the culture back the way it was? Or, since that would cause even more damage, do they just turn a blind eye and walk away? That was the moral dilemma. If I had an e-reader or something like that, I'd probably pick it up and give it a read. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that, the Lost Star Trek episode. You're listening to Mark Kappas. It's clear to all of you that I am awesome. On U62, The Targ. I reflect on my reflection And I ask myself the question What's the right direction to go? I don't know Am I a man? Or am I a Muppet? Am I a Muppet? If I'm a Muppet I'm a very manly Muppet Am I a Muppet Or am I a man Am I a man If I'm a man That makes me a Muppet of a man A Muppet of a man I look into these eyes And I don't recognize The one I Time for me to decide Am I a man Or am I a Muppet Am I a Muppet If I'm a Muppet Well I'm a very manly Muppet Very manly Muppet Am I a Muppet Muppet Or am I a man Am I a man If I'm a man That makes me a Muppet of a man Here I go again now 
The other Oscar-nominated song at the Oscars this year, that is Man or Muppet from The Muppets here on E62 The Targ. Good afternoon, Mark Cap is still here with you. Yeah, there's only two songs for best... Not, for uh, best... What am I trying to say here? There's only two nominees for Best Original Song at the Oscars this year. I don't know why that's so complicated to say. Probably because, as I said, I'm feeling very sleep-deprived, and it's Friday afternoon, so I just want to get home and crash. Uh, but uh, before I go, of course, we have to get to part two of the Jones Soda Holiday Fizzathon. For those who might have missed last week's episode, um, I kind of have this weird relationship with Jones Soda. Never cared for it myself, but still, every manic pixie dream girl I've ever known has sworn by it. And of course, Jones Soda, very famous for their holiday gift packs with all kinds of unique Christmassy flavors. And the other day when I was in Liquidation World, I managed to get my hands on one of Jones Soda's holidays gift packs. So I've been sampling all of their unique Christmas flavors. Last week we did candy cane soda. For, so for today, part two, we are doing gingerbread soda. So I'm looking at it at the bottle right now. Uh, on the uh, label there, the picture is some kind of hipster snowman with toques and sunglasses submitted by Taryn Cairo. Thank you for your uh, contribution there, Taryn. So yeah, gingerbread soda. It's kind of a dark brownish in color. Looks kind of like watered-down root beer. What am I expecting from gingerbread soda? Well, obviously, you know, ginger. I'm guessing it's going to be ginger ale or something very similar to it. So let's crack it open here and have a sip, shall we? Unscrewing the bottle. There we are. It is unscrewed. Let's take a whiff here. Hmm. I was expecting ginger ale, but it actually does smell like gingerbread. Let's take a sip here, shall we? Wow. That is not ginger ale at all. It really does taste like gingerbread. Or ginger snaps. Yeah, less like gingerbread and more like ginger snaps that you buy at the store. Mmm. Yeah, kind of unusual to be drinking such flavors, but there you go. A fairly accurate recreation of gingerbread in soda form. That is Jones Gingerbread Soda. So be sure to tune in next week for part three of the Jones Soda Holiday Fizzathon. There was only four bottles in the pack, so we're halfway there. And that'll about do it for this week's episode of the Targ. I am Mark Appas. I will see you next week. And this brings us to the end of another exciting episode of The Targ. Don't forget you can download a new episode of The Targ every week at chaosinabox.com. The Targ is written and produced by Mark Kappas under the watchful eye of 42 Star Wars action figures. The Targ is a Chaos in a Box production. Okay, now maybe we can talk about bringing back Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs>